0: I have Jesse Whitaker, Um, you guys know Jesse and Jen? Because if you don't, you're kind of on the outside. No, these guys are great, get to know them, they're wonderful, Jesse is the Dean of Students over at Eugene Christian School, and uh, they joined us last year, and we're super happy about it. And I've just asked Jesse to to pray for our service, and for me, uh, that uh, I can put words together that make sense. And uh, so let's just open your hearts and let's ask him to uh, speak to us. Yeah, amen. Thank you, Lord, for my brother Jason. Thank you for this amazing church body. Lord, we pray as we gather together now and dig into your word that you would speak through Jason the words you need us to hear. Lord, we pray that as you speak to us, that we couldn't help but leave here changed, that we couldn't help but leave here equipped and empowered for the work you have called us to do for the week coming up. Speak through my brother today. Give him discernible words to speak clearly to us. We give it all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, sir. Did you know what I was preaching on today? No. How about that? That was a good deal. All right. <laughs> Did you see what just happened there? All right. We're going to be talking about stuff that you were praying about. God. So we're, we're beginning a new ser- uh, series on faith in work. Uh, and uh, I want to start it this morning by telling you a little bit about my, my growing up. Uh, many of you know I grew up in the buckle of the Bible Belt, (laughs) which is East Texas. Now, I know there's Colorado Springs and Nashville, Tennessee, those two places sort of would lay claim to. We are the center of the Bible Belt. Tyler, Texas is a little smaller than those places, but we had so many huge churches and and, and these ministries that that had international reach and were centered right there. And I spent my whole growing up from age four to 18 in uh, Tyler, Texas. And not only was I in Tyler, I was inside one of those big international ministries. I was a part of Youth with a Mission, YWAM Tyler. We have a whole bunch of YWAM missionaries all over the place here that we support, and we send our young people out to YWAM, and and, uh, so it's wonderful. My parents actually were in that organization since 1968, um, very, very early stages. They say YWAM was like basically a bus. Now it's the, the biggest organization in, in the world for, for short term missions. So um, I was basically dipped and marinated in that culture. Not only in Bible Belt culture, but in you know, sort of international church culture, right? So there were things as I was growing up that I was breathing in that I didn't realize. I just felt like was, was normal until you step out of it and you realize, oh, that's not normal. And with all of us, that's sort of the way culture is. Um, it's the, the stuff that's around you. You don't even realize until someone says, "What's going on there?" and you're like, "What are you talking about?" That's just life. Like that's not normal. <laughs> no, it's not. So there's good and bad, right? So um, the uh, uh, the here's what would happen every every Sunday. We had a a thing every Sunday that we called Family Night, and that is where the the whole mission uh, got together. And so usually it'd be you know at least 200 staff, maybe 300, and then just you know endless amounts of of students coming in. We would send out dozens of teams every year all over the world, um, every continent. And they'd be doing every kind of service imaginable, um, you know, smuggling Bibles into communist countries and, and you know, rescuing kids from sex trafficking and just everything you can think of. And so we'd get together on a Sunday night and I was always a little bit sour about it because I'm a really big football fan. And so I would miss the end of that late game Every time, and I'd have to go. But once we got there, man, there was always really good stuff happening. We, had, we always had a dynamic uh, um, worship team, and it was exciting, and we always had a dynamic speaker. Most of the time, a dynamic speaker. And, uh, and they'd be coming from all over. And then we would have these outreach teams that just came back from doing something amazing. And they might be coming back, say, from China, where, you know, they had just brought the gospel to some, some little place and started up an underground church that's, you know, or, or, or ministered to some underground pastor. Or they might have been, you know, East Germany and crossing the wall um, in, uh, from West to East Germany bringing in Bibles. Or It could have been so many different exciting things. And the result was this. I was called to a different place in the world every single week. that's it it's brazil hearts pounding you know called to brazil and then we would like have these prayer meetings where we'd be interceding for the nation And don't get me wrong this is all this is like good stuff right interceding for the nations and we'd be praying psalm 2 where david is 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 you know it's this beautiful piece where the lord's saying ask of me and i'll give you nations as my inheritance and so we would sort of take that on personally and say lord give us these nations not not to lord it over but give us influence in these nations so that we can build the kingdom in these places and so you know they would get rowdy sometimes too of like lord give me china i want china yeah, you know, that kind of thing. And so every week, it was like you'd feel that new thing to a different place. And uh, the thing that I didn't realize until I stepped out—really, it took me a while before I was on staff here. Actually, for a couple of years, of still just trying to realize what it, local ministry and international—it's like it was never said. It was never spoken. But you had this sense that one thing was super important and other things weren't as important. So you had had the stuff that matters and the stuff that doesn't matter as much. And in in this kind of environment, the stuff that really mattered was the international stuff. The real edgy, dangerous, um, you know, going and pioneering and all these things. The stuff that didn't matter as much was, well, say... Ministry in a church setting, maybe. Now, again, this is not preached. This is not taught. I don't think people actually believe this, but it's this thing that sort of settles into you. It settled into me, anyway. I'm sure many people avoid this, but it settled into me that the stuff that really mattered was the international stuff. And so the idea of settling down in a place like Junction City, Oregon um, and putting roots down, like the Lord had to speak very, very clearly because my feet still wanted to run. They did. I'm like, this is, we're just, what are we, what are we, come on. Little did I know, I had bought into uh, um, a bigger sort of. Mindset, a worldview called dualism. So this is how that this is exactly how this would be represented in the missions world. Um, the one thing, the thing that matters most, the international thing, as opposed to the local thing. But dualism comes in in many different forms, and so that's what I want to talk about this morning and how this can affect us in the body of Christ. Dualism, uh, according to uh, uh, Brian Walsh and Richard Middleton, a split vision worldview. It separates reality into two fundamentally distinct categories, the holy and the profane, the sacred and the secular, or the things that matter and the things that don't matter as much. In the place of a biblical understanding of the kingdom of God as God's rule over creation, the kingdom is identified with what has been called our spiritual life our spiritual life. So some things are spiritual and some things are more spiritual than others. So again in that international context that was the thing that was the most spiritual. So here's the way this can work in everyday life. We have the sacred things and the secular things. And the sacred things are obvious. They're like, well, Sunday church. Hey, you guys are doing a sacred thing. Congratulations. Worship. Hey, all right, that's what we're doing, right? Sacred. Quiet time with the Lord. Home group. Hey, there's sacred Prayer lists, you know, those is a sacred thing. Missions trips, of course. we know those are sacred. But then you have the secular things, the things that maybe don't matter quite as much. Like, well, oh, just your career, blah. <laughs> Education. <laughs> right? Grocery shopping. eh. Netflix queue? More interesting. Pocketbook. That's only interesting because nobody uses the word pocketbook anymore. <laughs> Politics, sometimes interesting. Okay, this is all secular. Sec- yeah, it's a secular thing. Now, this spills over in general behavior of people. One of the outreaches I did when I was a teenager was one of those not as important outreaches because it was only in the U.S. Um, <laughs> see what I did there? And I was a teenager, and it was an outreach for kids and teenagers, and um, it was my first time of, like, helping be on staff, and, and there was a, a young man named Dante who had come from Los Angeles, and uh, he could pray. Man, this guy could pray. He would be, he would sort of pull us all together, and we would go into the classroom, and we would pray like crazy before the class started. And we would pray for our leaders. We would pray for everything that was going to happen that day. For, for all the individuals. And man, and, and the, the other staff members would come like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. Look, look at it. And, and this guy would just hammer it home. I mean, you, you should have seen him. And then we go like during a break and we go on the basketball court. And he became a different kind of creature. That I, it was the fastest transformation you have ever seen. This guy. I mean, you're talking about elbows being thrown. You're talking about pointless trash talk that comes out of nowhere, not like the friendly kind of trash talk like Tyler and I do when the Seahawks play the Cowboys. Not like that. This is like, like I'm better than you and everything. And it's just like, where did this even come? Like, what? who? And so we called him on it one day. We're like, why do you act this way? Like, you shouldn't act this way. He goes, it doesn't matter what you do on the court. It matters that you pray and worship. That's what matters. Okay? Dualism. He has a sacred, the sacred things matter. The prayer matters. The other stuff, eh, take it or leave it. Now, this, this kind of thing infects us in all kinds of ways. I'm a child of the 90s. Yes, 90s kids. In, we have a whole lot more 90s kids in here. This is a good job. All right. Uh, I was a teenager throughout the 90s, and so these you guys will remember this. This was all the rage, okay? 1990s style dualism. Here's how we did it. Here's how we roll. It crept into every facet of life, like movies, for example. You had the movies that mattered, the sacred movies. Here's what mattered. Ones that were about the rapture. Those are the movies that mattered, the sacred ones. No rapture, no matter. Those were the secular ones, I'm only kind of kidding. I mean, it was like probably 50%, anyway, Next one, bracelets. What is it? WWJD, right? What would Jesus do? Those were the Christian bracelets. Those bracelets are gonna be in heaven, friends. And I knew that and so did you. And the ones with no initials. Nah, it's just, those are just worldly things. These are of the world. Books, okay? But this is very important. The cover has someone worshiping or someone in a bonnet. Either one. One or the other. Maybe both. If it's an Amish person worshiping, that is doubly saved, okay? The ones that didn't matter as much, the secular ones, no bonnets, nope, no bonnets, throw it out. Didn't matter as much. We all know this is the biggest one, don't we? All of us who grew up in this era, we know music was the biggest one because <laughs> there's so many facets to this that are just so unfortunate. That if you grew up as a kid and it was always somebody telling you about something, never mind, I'm not going to go. All right, Here, here's the thing. If the singer or the album, if it said Jesus four times per song, it was sacred. <laughs> Less than or equal to three, secular. Right? It, had to, <laughs> it wasn't enough that it was about God or even about the struggles of faith or anything. It's not Christian unless it explicitly in your face says, and this is Jesus and here's the way to get saved and here's how you can go to. I mean, that was Secular. And I'm actually, I'm being a little bit flippant, but guys, it's sort of the way, this is how thick, at least how thick it felt to me. T-shirts. Those with Christian puns were sacred. (laughs) Trusty Costco shirts, secular, (laughs) secular, secular shirts. This right here would have been a secular shirt. And this is just a standard shirt, secular. Not going to heaven. Even cars. Yep, yeah, Jesus fish. Nope. Nope. Sorry. Your car needs to get a little bit more spiritual there, Frank. <laughs> oh. oh, memory lane. So. This actually had some very unfortunate ramifications, and one of those ramifications is in the way that we thought about work, the way we thought about careers. Um, Again, in my YWAM days, um, I would see a lot, and this is, we're out of the 90s now, but I would see as I was working with young ministry students and people trying to figure out what God was calling them to in their lives. Sometimes they would they would say, "I feel like the Lord's calling me out of YWAM." Oh, great. Or, "I feel like the Lord is calling me to do this thing within YWAM and do whatever it was, inside or outside the ministry." And I heard this one several times, and maybe it was just because of the cultural growth of Starbucks and things like that. But it was this. "I want to start a coffee shop." <laughs> great. That is a great idea. Like the person might be a great convener, great with hospitality, great with business. Like, man, I'm gonna open up a coffee shop. It's a place that needs it, and it could be this could be a real great thing for the community. It's awesome, but they would say, but not just any coffee shop. A Christian coffee shop. And not just not just a regular one. Because it's not good enough to have a coffee shop that just you know, maybe has a wonderful warm atmosphere, you know, that, like, like Max Porter's my east side office. That's my east side office. And I love going in there. And, and that is a wonderful environment. And there's wonderful people who know the Lord. But they don't put a sign on there that says, this, here's a Christian coffee shop. Can only come in here if you're a Christian because this thing's going all the way to the pearly gates. It's going to be a Mad Max they serve you the minute you get in there. And, and so it was kind of unfortunate because it was, it, it was sort of like this. Like, the only way to make a secular job okay is to put a Christian label on it. Do you see that? The only way to, put a, to have a job in that green realm, a job that's not churchy, well, what if we put a church label on it? Oh, then it's okay. Whew. And it's so unfortunate, and it's so unnecessary, and it was so damaging. Why do I say it's damaging? I, it's, it's a problem, this is a real problem. See, look again at this list of things that are involved in the sacred. You've got Sunday church, worship, quiet time, home groups, prayer, you know, things like that, and the secular, again, career, education, grocery shopping, Netflix cube, pocketbooks, politics, soccer practice, you know, all these things. Um, but just look at it, Look at this is, this is a math problem, okay? Look at how much of the sacred, that yellow thing, if we're gonna play it by the sacred secular rules, look at, here's what you get. Okay, we got Sunday morning. You see that? This is a, this is a weekly calendar, okay? You've got Sunday morning. We've got some, hopefully some time in the mornings where we're meeting with God and praying and communing with him. We've got, we've got a Wednesday evening in there. Okay, we're gonna throw in some bedtime prayers. Can you see that? And then some prayers throughout the week. Just, you know, out there sometimes remember to pray for our lunch sometimes we just dive right in and apparently you're sleeping in on saturdays i don't know what that's all about there it is there's the sacred let's check out the secular this is a math problem Basically, if we subscribe to this worldview, we have having fun with it this morning, but if we subscribe to this worldview, we think the kingdom of God only really matters in a tiny, tiny portion of our lives. The rest of it is just nonsense. The rest of it doesn't matter to God. And you guys, it's just not true. It's just not true. See, let's look at God himself. Let's, let's look at the, the creation account, okay? What does God do the first day? Works. And guess what? He looked at it and said, it's good. Now, he didn't say, well, that part of it was good. The beginning was good because I sat around the other members of the Trinity and, and, you know, we talked a bit, (laughs) we encouraged the angels, had a little prophetic time with them. It's really fast. Not hard at all, actually. The work stuff was just, I mean, you know, blah, it's a job. No, he said it is good. And then the second day, he works all day. And the end of this one, the end of this one, he also says, hey, that was good. Now, not just, not just little slivers of it. It was good. The work itself was good. The third day was different though, because the third day he says, it was good. Ha, that wasn't different at all, was it? And the fourth day, it was also good. The fifth day was good. And the sixth day actually was very good and even the last day when he rests we find out that even rest is good it's it's all in his realm it's all sacred in old testament culture they didn't have this dualism thing in fact, they seem to approach the spiritual life and the physical life like all is one jumbled thing. Like this was all—it was all just life. We we are way we compartmentalize way too many things nowadays. Way too many things. Was that a spiritual thing or a physical thing? And this is bleeds into theology too. It's so sad. It's bled into so many things. But I'm getting ahead of myself. There was there's no word for spiritual in the Old Testament. If you asked Moses, what's your spiritual life like? He'd be like. Because everything he he did, this is life. He does life. God's a part of it at every turn, and it's his life. And and I think that's the way it was supposed to be. It's interesting. You even look at the Levitical law, the Mosaic law, which sometimes is so confusing and so weird because it's written 3,000 years ago in this foreign culture that we know very little about, and and you're looking and go, what is all of this? Now, one thing we miss is, isn't this fascinating, that there's laws God seems to care about every facet of their lives. Like, they're so specific. Like, what do you do if you have athlete's foot? How cool is that? It's not just saying, "How how do we approach worship when we get with the Levites on the Sabbath? Well, you sing verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus again, as we all know. It's not that. It's not that. It's everything. He's speaking into everything as if everything actually matters, as if everything's actually his. Here's what John Mark Coomer says. Fascinating book. As he drew out um, what happened, he says basically the Greek culture came in and derailed that. That. And created a thing where there was something that mattered and something that didn't. There was the visible stuff that didn't matter that much, the invisible stuff mattered. And by the time the Middle Ages rolled around, this had pretty much infected the church to a massive degree. Here's what he says. In the Middle Ages, the, the word "calling" was not only used for, was, oh, excuse me was only used for church work. The mentality was, if you do something that really matters, something for the kingdom. Become a priest or become a nun or a monk or a theologian. The only other option is to work hard all day at some job you think is consequential so that you can get off work and then go serve the Lord. And so the cosmic gargantuan 24-7 kingdom of God was shrunk down to a few hundred people singing songs in a nice building for an hour every weekend. Isn't that sad? not supposed to be that way it's not supposed to be that way everything about our lives is supposed to involve him it's it's sad to think how even theology has been affected by this in the degree of like uh, um you know some have started to translate the word flesh which just means body body as a sinful thing and the, the NIV did this for quite a while, translating flesh as, as sinful nature. And it was a terrible translation that lately they went, later they went back and fixed and admitted, okay, that wasn't good. That was all theology. That wasn't actually what it said. Because flesh just means body. Now, sometimes it can be used in showing that you're just a slave to what your body wants and that becomes sin. But your body is not evil. The physical things that you do are not bad and they are not second-rate Gifts. Do you hear me? You are a whole person. You live a whole life, and Jesus Christ and his spirit are supposed to infuse every part of it. That's, that's to me, a way more exciting picture than he gets these little tiny yellow pieces. So, you guys, you guys, what you're doing What you're doing is important. What you're doing, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, some Saturday, some Sunday, these are important things. These matter to God. This whole dualistic thing that the church says this matters, this job matters, and this one doesn't, it's so wrong. It's so misguided. Because here's, I'll just come out with it. Here's what many have said. Here's been the mentality that the job that Joshua and I have is more important than the jobs you have, and it's just not true. I hope and pray that you haven't felt that. It's not true. You guys do important work. Do you know why your work is so important? You are working alongside and serving the very sons and daughters of the Most High God that's what you're doing and nothing less some of you teach the little tiny sons and daughters of god some of you fix cars for the sons and daughters of god so they can go about and live productive lives and love their families some of you guys do paperwork for insurance companies so that the sons and daughters of god can pay their bills their financial or their uh, medical bills etc No matter what you do, you are serving the sons and daughters of God. Some of you guys set hospitality so that sons and daughters of God can come in and work on their projects, and you hand them a nice hot cup of wonderful, hot, heavenly nectar, as Jeff Starr would say. (laughs) And you guys, that is an important service, and that is not a secular thing. It is a beautiful thing, and it matters to him. Psalm 24 says this. The earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants, belong to the Lord. Do you see that? Everything in it, including your job, everything in it, even those in-between moments, are his. Abraham Kuyper said it this way. There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. It's his. So, here's where we are. Maybe we don't have quite the same level of this dualistic thing like we did in the 90s, but it's appeared in a different form. And here's the way I think it's happened. We can have, as far as our career, work that makes a real difference in the world. Or, stupid, jerk, regular job that doesn't do anything but support my dumb family. <laughs> I wanna do something that matters. Now, can I talk to you millennials for a second? Listen, I'm almost a millennial. I just missed the cutoff like two years. Listen. That's actually true, that's not a joke, so there. Younger than you guys think I am. Yeah. By the way, I have a nickname for you millennials, okay? I coined a new term, you ready? Young people. Because here's the thing, some of you guys and some of us that talk to you guys make it out like you're some weird, like, we've never seen anyone like that. You're just a young person, that's all. That's it. And you're not weird. You're, well, some of you are weird, but some, we're weird too. <laughs> us Gen Xers were weird. And you guys, the, f- the same things I said to you millennials, they said to us Gen Xers. Gen Xers, can you attest to that? Yes, all the same things. You're not weird. You have passion. You have insights. You have talents that the world needs. And we are excited to have you join careers and have you step up in there. You're just a young person. That's all. Now, one of the unfortunate situ- places that you guys find yourselves in is you have windows everywhere. You have windows into every world, including into worlds where people are doing these incredible charities and are doing these like, it was like, oh, charity water, that's so cool. Or Tom's, oh my gosh, that's so amazing. And like, people are, you know, like these big groups that are rescuing people from human traffic, all these people doing amazing things and you, and, and you start to feel, I want to do something that matters. And this is a cry of your hearts. And I don't want to put that down. I think there's a healthy desire to want to make a difference in the world. There really is. But here's here's the thing. Most real change in in this world doesn't come from big, multinational NGOs. Most of it comes from everyday people being faithful in everyday ways. And that only happens through time. I wish I could tell you something different, but it happens through time. That means, as young people, the thing that every young person hates, hearing, just like Inigo Montoya, I hate waiting. (laughs) None of us like waiting. Gen Xers don't either. We don't like waiting, but this is the only way. 1 Thessalonians says this. We urge you, brethren, to excel still more and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your hands just as we commanded you so that you will behave properly toward outsiders and not be any need. Isn't that amazing that he says, make it your ambition to a, leave a quiet life? Isn't that cool? You think about this, what's ambition? Oh, I'm gonna do something big, make it. You can hear them say, yeah, yeah, make it your ambition. Yes, Paul, yes, 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 to lead a quiet life. Yeah, do the thing that's in that you have your hand in your hands, do that thing. Work with your hands. Work. Live a quiet life. Be faithful to the Lord and be generous. That's what he's saying. This is not a thing that ever ever occurred to me in my days in youth of the mission, guys. This is the thing I never caught that it was okay you could just be faithful with what God had given you and you didn't have to have this huge dream that would set all the nations ablaze. You see, not everybody can have, and what, how weird would it be if everybody in here had an international ministry that, like, it doesn't even work, and who, who's funding this, and, and who's caring for their neighbor? You know what would happen? Every one of you would be an absolute wreck. That's what would happen, because you don't have any relationships of family. You'd be so driven to go and change the world that you would forget about your own families, and everything would fall apart. That's what would happen. We are not designed to have a bunch of superstars. Don't try to be a superstar. There's, there, it's, it's oh, be faithful, be faithful. Here's what G.K. Chesterton says, the most extraordinary thing in the world is an ordinary man and an ordinary woman and their ordinary children. Yes, yes, that's right, that's right. Maybe that's not glamorous to you, But I don't know, man. After feeling that drive for so many years and and being able to lay it down freely, that fuels me like very few things to be able to see that. Because I'll tell you, it's too much pressure to change the world. You guys aren't gonna change the world. Jesus changed the world. Now all of us will work together to be faithful and and to see the kingdom overcome, but it ain't gonna be you. It's gonna be the people of God and the Holy Spirit you don't need to change the world. You just need to be ordinary and faithful. That's what he's called you to. First Corinthians and Colossians, similar passages here. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. huh? Maybe it's that simple. Whatever you're doing, do it for the glory of God. That means if you're just in a temporary job and it's like an unfortunate thing, you're flipping burgers, you're like, I don't want to be here forever. You know what? You're, don't even worry about it. Just do it for the glory of God right now. It's all right. It didn't have to be forever. Do it for the glory of God. Another one. Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, I'm going to do this with excellence. Maybe this is just a burger. And maybe I'm way more qualified than making this burger. But you know what? That man out there, he looks really hungry. And I think he came in because he was thinking about this quarter pounder with cheese. So I'm going to make this a really good quarter pounder with cheese. And I'm going to say, this is for you, bro. Here you go. You know? Come on. That is being faithful with what's in your hands. Finally. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. We need a resurgence of faithfulness today. Because everything's gonna try to push you to do things quickly. Everything's gonna, just like our microwave culture, you know, just hurry it up, hurry it up, hurry it up. Some things don't work that way. Cultivate faithfulness. When I see this verse, I of course think of a farmer. You think of the best stereotypes of, of farmers and you think of those, the, those wonderful photographs of, of the farmer, the old man who's been working the fields for 50 years and you see his wrinkled hands and they're, they're dirty and they're in the soil. And you think of like, Every day, this man, he's quiet. He, you know, there's a lot of guys in Minnesota like this, man. I'll tell you what. You know, living in Minnesota, is some of the hardest workers, and they don't complain. They work in these extraordinary conditions. And you see these guys, and every day they get up before the crack of dawn. And they're working in the fields, and they're milking the cows, and they're feeding the pigs, and they're doing all these things every single day. And they're not doing it to become a celebrity because they're not going to be ever become a celebrity. They're not doing it to get some esteem. They're not doing it to change the world. You know why they're doing it? They're doing it because their town really needs the corn they're growing. Those are sons and daughters of God, and they need corn. Maybe he doesn't think that way. I don't know. But he's doing it because people need it. And that's it, he's being faithful cultivate faithfulness. And this, I think, is what God's calling all of us to. No matter what situation you might be in, in your work, I have no idea if you're at the, the ultimate place God's calling you to or if it's a stepping stone. I don't know what, what it is or where you guys are at. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land where he's called you. Cultivate faithfulness. Have that be your crop. Plant that. Pray that into your own life. Lord, Lord, I wanna be faithful with the thing that you've called me to. I'm gonna be faithful. And I'm not gonna worry about doing big things. I'm just gonna do this thing you've given me. And maybe together, together big things happen. But I'm gonna do the thing you've called me to. I think this is what God's calling us to, you guys. Very simple. What you are doing matters. And you need to know that. So be faithful in it. It's not a throwaway thing. It matters. It matters. God sees it. It matters. So let's stand together. Put your hand on your heart. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us to plant faithfulness in our hearts. We can't do it. Lord, we certainly can't make that thing grow. All we can do is plant it with prayers. Now, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would bring sunshine and rain to grow this thing in our lives. I pray that you would teach us to breathe deeply and wait. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be content and to see the value of the work you've given us. Thank you, Lord, for the work you've given us. Thank you, Lord that you've called doctors, that you've called nurses, that you've called waiters and waitresses. Thank you, Lord, that you've called uh, uh, taxi drivers, Lord. Thank you that you've called construction workers and loggers. Thank you, Lord, for each and every gift that you've given us in this body. Lord, we want to do well with it. We want to do well with it. So thank you, Jesus. It's all yours. Amen. Prayer servant team, come up. If you guys need prayer for anything, please come. Be blessed.